We're continuing our series on Joseph, the series God of Detours, we're calling it. Genesis 39 is what we're going to be reading today, the first piece of it. Genesis 39, actually all of it. Found in your pew Bible on page 31. When we were last together, Joseph was taken up by the traders and sent off to Egypt. And then we pick up the story here, chapter 39. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. So Potiphar left all he had in Joseph's charge and with him there, He had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now, just a little side note. The food that he ate is a reference not only to the fact that only a person can feed themselves, but also to the fact that the Egyptians would never eat food that was prepared by a Hebrew. No extra charge for that. Now, Joseph was handsome and good-looking. Pause again. Handsome and good-looking, which sounds a little redundant, actually means... um, very frankly, great body, great face. (laughs) That's what it means. You know when it says about Jesus, no form or comeliness? Joseph had both form and comeliness, both. And this is a particular Hebrew phrase that's used to describe one other person, his mom. Oh, I know, isn't that so fun? His mom, remember her, right? Rachel, Leah? Form and companies, that particular thing, that idea. So there's very much an inheritance of beauty that's happening going on. So the little tag, Joseph is his mother's son. That's the idea. That again, no extra charge. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me here, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything he has in my hand. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. One day, however, when he went in the house to do his work, and while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. And she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, came in to me to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. 
When Joseph's master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remained there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison. And whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I'm guessing that most of you are familiar with the movie The Princess Bride. Yes, Princess Bride. Great story. People, lovers are together at the beginning of the movie. They get separated, and then the whole movie is about how are they going to get back together again. It's a great movie with great, goofy characters like the big, giant guy, and then you have, you know, the, you kill my father, prepare to die. (laughs) It's a great story. And if you're anything like me, you're watching the movie and you're all caught up in the story and you forget that the story is actually being read by a grandfather to his grandson. The boy is home sick from school and the grandpa comes over to read this grandson a story. So every now and then when you're in the middle of the movie and you're right in the thick of the action and what's going on, all of a sudden the little boy will pop up and say, wait, 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 what's going on here? I don't get that. Don't read the kissing parts. (laughs) Well, in this story that we've been reading about Joseph, you know that we have a narrator. We've learned how the narrator gives us little clues as to what God is doing in the life of Joseph and his family. Well, in this section of scripture, the narrator gets pretty clear. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord caused everything in Joseph's hands to prosper. The Lord bless, 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 prosper, 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 with, 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 all the way through the story. Now, if you're the little kid tucked up in bed listening to this story, there should be a moment when you go, what? Wait, what? The Lord was with Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph and he starts out as a slave and he ends up as a slave in jail? What? The Lord is with Joseph and his life actually moves from bad to worse? I thought the presence of the Lord in the person's life was supposed to make their life better. And here we have somebody, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, and what happens is his life gets worse. And so we want to jump into the middle of the story and say, wait, 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 wait. That's not right. That's not fair. Because the presence of the Lord is supposed to, supposed to make your life better, right? I know I thought so. Many of you know that I pastored a church here in town for several years and then I left that church to go to graduate school. And it seemed very clear to me where I was to go to graduate school. I applied to different places and some of you are going through that right now with the paperwork and the transcripts and the recommendations. And and I applied to different places and visited places and talked to people and became very clear to me 
that I was to go to the University of Illinois. And so I left my church, the church that I loved, and I went off to Champaign, Illinois, and I was really excited because I'm one of those people who loves school. I love to learn, I love to read, I love to talk with people, I love to write, I love to think. This is what I love to do, I love school. So I, I could feel the anxiety of pastoring 700 people kind of slipping off my shoulders as I drove down the highway toward Champaign, Illinois, land of flatness and corn. <laughs> and as the fall began, and I wasn't caring for 700 other people anymore, some deep wounds from my own life began to emerge. And it was horrible. And I was alone. I was five hours from the people who loved me best. I was 10 years older than most of the other people in my graduate program. I was the only person who had anything resembling a faith. And it got to be so bad that when I would go to church on Sunday, and I went to lots of different churches on Sunday, I learned to always sit in the back. Because I knew invariably at some point in the service, somebody would say something or somebody would sing a song and it would just seize me up inside. And I would have to leave. And I would slip out the back door and head to the car and before I even made it to the parking lot, the tears would be streaming down my face. And I would say, I can't believe you brought me here. I used to lead people in worship. I used to love worship, and now I can barely make it through a service. I thought that you wanted me to be here. This felt like your presence. It felt like you were in this from the get-go, and now I'm here, and it seems you are nowhere. And the thing that I had most loved, worshiping with other people, became a source of deep, deep pain. And in moments like that, you don't just want to argue with the narrator of the story, you want to grab the author of the story by the lapels and pull him close and say, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? Where are you right now? I can't find you. And it's so easy when we are in the thick of our own pain and that's all we feel and that's all we see, it is so easy in that moment to see all the places where God isn't and miss the places where he is. And we do that here when we read Joseph's story. We see all the places where God isn't, why God, God didn't step in and save him? Why wasn't there another witness who saw the event take place, who could, who could advocate for him and say, no, that's not how it happened? Why wasn't Potiphar there? Why didn't he see it? Why didn't anyone believe him? We see all these places where God 
wasn't, and we miss all the places where God was. Look again how this chapter begins. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord caused all he did to prosper. Joseph found favor. Next page. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had. The blessing of the Lord was so apparent in the life of Joseph. And the narrator just crams it all in to this section of scripture. He wants to be sure that we get it. The Lord really was with Joseph, he's saying. He really was. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man. And the reason he's doing that is for two things, two reasons. First is for Joseph himself. Because Joseph is going to move into some pretty lean times. And so the narrator takes this opportunity to just cram this narrative so full of the presence of God that Joseph can't miss it. Joseph feels the presence of God. Joseph feels the blessing of God. Everybody around him sees the blessing of God. Potiphar sees the blessing of God. Everybody sees the blessing of God. So the narrator here is filling Joseph's soul full up with memories of the presence of God. Those of you who know how the story goes on from here know that in in a little bit, the Egyptians are gonna have to store up grain because there's a famine that's gonna come. And they're gonna have to store up grain for the lean years. And here in this passage, we have a little bit of a nod toward that, a little bit of the tip of the narrator's hand to say, Joseph here is learning what it is to store up the presence of God, to store up the good memories because Joseph is going to jail. And he's gonna need to remember what God has done in his life. But the narrator also crams this passage full of the presence and the glory of God because of everybody else who would hear this story later. One of the big promises that God made to Abraham was, I will be with you. To Isaac, I will be with you. To Jacob, I will be with you. And this story that we read here was originally told It's an oral history. It wasn't written down. It wasn't like Xeroxed off and passed around. People told this story. And the first people who told this story were the people who descended from Joseph and his brothers. Those of you know, the story goes on from here. The brothers all come to Egypt. They end up settling there. They multiply. The people of Israel become very large. They threaten the Egyptians. The Egyptians enslave them. They're enslaved for 400 years. And it's those people who told this story over campfires and around supper while women rocked their babies and men nursed their calloused hands. They told the story of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, they would say. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And those slaves in Egypt learned that just as the Lord had been with Joseph and he was still a slave, so the Lord would be with them while they were slaves. 
In telling the story of the presence of God in Joseph's life, they remembered and realized and learned that the presence of God in a person's life does not guarantee a pain-free existence. They learned that the presence of God in the life of his people does not mean that everything turns out perfectly for every individual person at the individual moment when they need it to or want it to. The Lord was with Joseph becomes a refrain that comforted his children and his children's children and his children's children's children as they endured slavery. Just because you don't see him and just because he doesn't do what you want doesn't mean he isn't there. When I was in graduate school, there was only one place that I found where I had any kind of peace of mind. After trying lots of different churches, one Sunday when I was studying Catholicism as part of my philosophy of religion minor, I decided to go to the campus chapel, the, the Catholic chapel that was on campus. And it was this great stone building and um, kind of like classic old school Catholic church. And so there I would find myself, Protestant, ordained clergywoman, sitting in the back of a Catholic church. And the rhythms of the liturgy started to soothe my soul. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And every Sunday, when the people would prepare to go forward and receive the sacrament, they would say this line, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. And I was so desperate for healing that I could never make it through the end of that line. Say the word and I shall be healed. And every time I went there, there would be some little nugget in the homily or in the scripture or in the singing that I could just hang on to for dear life and it would just reset my compass and remind me of what was really most important. And week after week, I would turn my eyes on the crucifix and I would see the body of our Lord stretched out there, and I would remind myself of what God in Christ had done for me, and I would think if he can do that for me, if he was willing to pour his life out for me, I can endure this suffering with his help. Because when it comes to telling the story of the presence of God, there is one very obvious thing we all point to, and that is that baby. The prophet said he will be called Emmanuel, and the angel said you will call him Emmanuel, because that means God with us. 
and not God with us to pat us on the back and send us on our way and make everything all better, but God with us in our suffering, God with us in our heartache, God with us in the parking lot when the tears are streaming down our face and we don't know where he is, he is there. And that is why we gather together to worship to hear the rhythms of the liturgy spoken back and forth, to hear the testimony of others, to be with people who can sing for you when you can't sing and pray for you when you can't pray and hold you up before the face of God when you don't think he's looking your direction. That's why we gather here to worship again and again and again because the story of Joseph is our story and we need to hear again and again and again that the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, may the Lord be with you. You pray with me. Oh God, there are times indeed when which we look at our own stories and we don't know where you are. Where we want to grab you by the lapels. Where we want to scream out your name and actually hear you answer us. So we thank you that we stand in a long line of people who have done that. We thank you for psalms of lament. We thank you for other saints who've gone before who have wrestled with you. And we thank you for the saints who sit with us here, who hold our hand and hear our stories and wipe our tears, who are your hands and your heart and your mouths and your ears to us. And in the thick of our pain, it may be so hard to see you. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will clear away all that blocks us from seeing you, from hearing you speak, from knowing you are there, and give us patience while we wait. We pray, God, too, that those of us for whom this is a season of storing up Great things that you're doing in our lives will give testimony to that and join and give thanks for all that you have done. And above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, the Word made flesh, who suffered, died, and rose again to point us home. Amen.